Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us today. Uh, I'm Danny, one of the pastors here, and I'm joined by... Eric. Eric and... Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. Well, so glad to have you guys. And we are in Numbers Part 2. Numbers, the book also we refer to as Into the Wilderness. And we're in the second half, kind of covering just just more of this amazing account of God's faithfulness amongst the disobedience of his people and how he brings them from the Exodus in, to Mount Sinai to the to the threshold of the promised land and he's going to bring them in and to start I'm just going to recap what's what's what got us to this point. So number starts off and they're they're in the wilderness and there's a census and God has the census and then he says organize the camp this way with the, with the tribes in in different arrangements and then he, he reinstates the rules for the tabernacle and the priests and their purity. And then he says, we're getting ready to depart for the promised land. So they're ready to go. And he puts this cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. And, and he sends them out. And, and then they begin this, this period of disobedience. And, there's, and they, then they start complaining, we want meat. We want meat. The meat in Egypt was so good. And he sends them meat. And then Aaron and Miriam oppose Moses to his face. And they're like, if you just wouldn't have married the woman you married, everything would be okay. And maybe you're believing her. And they start stirring up controversy. So the three leaders that God has called, like they're, they become disunified. And then, then they, Moses sends out scouts to, uh, to explore the land. And he sends out these one scout per tribe. And he sends out these 12 scouts. Well, they all come back being like, the land's awesome, the fruit is huge, and it's, it's great. It's, and then, but 10 of them are like, but there's no way on earth. There's giants who live there. There's no way we're going to conquer that land. Sorry, guys, we're just going to die out here in the desert. And only Caleb and Joshua say, no, we can trust God. And then, and then, and then there's this need for renewal of the covenant faithfulness. And God literally reinstates all the offerings and the, the things that he gave them in Leviticus. And then there's this account where Moses gets angry with them and, and, and takes matters into his own hands and almost says, I'm God to you, and, and strikes a rock. And, and he gets punished by God. And then there's this, there's this amazing account where like the neighboring nations start fearing them, and they send this, this prophet to go speak out against them named uh, Balaam. And Balaam gets overshadowed by a donkey. You should read the account. It's pretty. There's a lot of humor in that. And then, then they, then the second generation is called up as the first generation. God says, "You guys are going to die in the wilderness." And you, and we just see God's faithfulness throughout the whole story. So that's where we are in in the Book of Numbers. And and one commentary I found said that the Book of Numbers is is focused on the Lord, like all the Bible. And it's focused on the Lord's presence. And we've already talked about that. And it's focused on the Lord's faithfulness to his covenant people. And we, we've covered that in previous sermons and podcasts. But then it talks about that the, it's, it's focused on the Lord's patience, his mercy, and his justice. And his mercy and justice we're going to actually address in the sermon this week. Pastor Lawrence is going to preach on that. And, and we'll look at the Lord's patience this morning. But, and then we get to these themes about the people. And the first theme I want to look at today is unity. And... At times they were unified, and then at many times they weren't. And they're living in camps. They're right on each other's, you know, right living with each other, and they have to trust God. But why was it vital for them to be unified? Why was it hard for them to, why were they not unified, especially in many of these accounts? And then what does this mean for us today as the church? Like, what are some of your thoughts on unity for them and unity for us? 
Well, every time you say Into the Wilderness, I always think of the song Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. <laughs> over and over again, I think that's... I watch... I haven't uh, seen it yet, so don't... Yeah. No spoilers. Oh, it's on Disney Plus. If you do not sign it, but, but uh, it's I just think it, <laughs> yeah. I, I sing it in my head every single time you say that. I can't help myself. And then you mentioned uh, the the conflict between the, the the Trinity leaders, the three leaders of Aaron and Miriam and Moses. And I thought, wait a minute, there's three of us. Which one am I? Which one are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about what if we get into controversy. You're, and I, you're Miriam. Oh, you're definitely. Miriam. You're Miriam. Well, I'm the one that sings the song, right? Yeah. So Miriam sings yeah. the song. Yeah, yeah. But unity, um, it's vital. I mean, it's, it's, it, we talk about unity all the time. And we talk about unity for us now and how we relate to people then. But the whole concept of unity is meant for this idea of what's it like to be united as a team. Right? I think a team is uh, something that jumps into my mind. Uh, uh, it can also be seen as a family or a unit or an army or a, a group of people that just has a single-minded purpose uh, that is put together for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of when I think of unity. We were put together for a reason. So why was it vital for the Israelites to be unified? Because they had something to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And they had something to do. They had something that God, God placed upon them to say, be a set-apart people, a, whole, a royal nation, uh, a holy priesthood, um, set aside to establish um, this new people. And so I think to them, unity is so important because they had a mission to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so for us today... What happens when, you know, we're not unified and even for them, like they start fragmenting and, and deciding, oh, I want to follow this guy or that guy. What, like, what are the consequences when believers are not unified? Like what are, I mean, there's the obvious ones, but what are some, what are some th- thoughts you have on that? And even looking at their situation and our situation. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, when I think about unity for us and, and what we do when, when we faction off or we get divided, Usually it's, it's because we have different solutions or different ways of, of accomplishing similar things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how are we going to go about accomplishing this, this certain problem that we're facing? I think we should do this. Lawrence, you think we should do this. Danny, you think we should do this. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get people who, who agree with me and we're going we're gonna to band together. And we're going to try to do what we think is best in how, having to deal with this. But in, in this situation with in numbers with, with the people of Israel, they're they're talking about forming a rebellion that's that's going to turn back entirely. Like they're going to they want to go back. They're going to go back to Egypt. Yeah, yeah. And and so in a Why? sense, and since yeah. they're, they're like their their division is is totally sidetracking or going off the rails of, of what God is wanting them to do of, of of what it even means for them to be faithful to the covenant that they've made with God, and and I think. In reality, we that's that's ultimately what we we uh, are jeopardizing as Christians when we when we go off rails or when we become disunified is it's possible that that we we make secondary tertiary things so important that it even sidetracks it, it hurts our witness before the watching world yeah. uh, where they all all they see is just bickering and they're like we have bickering apart from Christianity so. Maybe we don't like what. What about that is attractive at all? Like, why, why would we want that? So we can't be God's people unless we're unified. Now we might. We're going to disagree on little things, like Paul and Silas disagreed, and right. Paul and Barnabas disagreed. I mean, Paul and Barnabas had disagreements. Peter and Paul had to work things out. It's not saying that we won't hash things out, mm-hmm. but if we're not unified, we're turning against God. It's like God's given us His mission. He's given us His calling. He's called us to be His church. He knew we would be like them. Paul says they're an example to us. He knew that we would struggle, but we, we have to be unified 
and and we have to be unified in pointing toward the goal of of building Christ's kingdom. I mean, we can have different opinions, different strategies, different methodologies, but we can still be unified. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think is, I found so humorous is you mentioned earlier they wanted the meat yeah. of Egypt. Yeah. They followed the, the, the their the, stomach. Their yeah. stomach. They followed the they followed what their the greed or their carnal desires or their yeah. just whatever it is that their physical bodies wanted. They they let that get ahead of the purpose. They literally saw God part the Red Sea and they were in slavery. They were brick building, slave driven people mm. and they want to go back to that because they can't trust God just to get to the promised land. Like he, he they're so close. But they're like, oh, there's giants in the land, even though the food looks good there. And even that's what Moses had him do. He's like, bring back the fruit so you, the people would see it. I guess hoping that when they saw it, they would be enticed. They'd be like, wow, God's going to give us that. But instead, instead of focusing on how beautiful it was, wow, the land that we got is even going to be better than the outskirts of Egypt or where we lived, you know, when we were in our, you know, in our former life and our former, you know, colony where we were. Now we're going to move to this beautiful place. But all they focused on was the things to fear, and they didn't want to trust God. Mm-hmm. So their unity was became they became unified in not wanting to follow God <laughs> in fear and and God of their stomach and and well you you think these too idols. you'd think that what God is inviting them to do would actually create more unity because up to this point they're they're just following the they're following God's word they're trusting Moses as their mediator and now God is inviting them to to not just live act according to God's word, according to what Moses says or the other leaders are saying, but to actually to walk by sight. Mm-hmm. And the people come back, the, the spies come back after seeing the land. They're like, yeah, what the Lord has said is good, but there's lots of problems. There's, there's pe- like, it, it, it doesn't seem as, as clear cut as we thought it was going to be. And so they, they question, they fear. They, they So two of the 10 scouts, two of the 10 spies come back and be like, it's awesome. We can trust God. So they're, they were unified and then everyone else. So, so what happens sometimes is we, we want, we want to trust God, but we don't. And then we, that allows us to get dis. So part of our fractioning and our fragmentation is forgetting the big plan that God has for us, forgetting the goal and if we really focus on the goal, hopefully we can work out these little disagreements. And if they would have really just trusted God, he would have fulfilled, and he ultimately does. They ultimately do enter the promised land and become the people that he called them to be. And how much of our fracturing is from fear? Yeah. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. how much of it is from fear, you know, will God really provide or will I have enough? You know, uh, will yeah. the church have enough? Will, yeah. will I get my needs met? You know, how much, or even afraid of what will happen tomorrow, you know, yep. so much of our fraction is based and rooted in fear. Mm-hmm. And the disciples themselves who were numbered 12, the, like as a representation, when Jesus calls, he, he picks 12 and he has more disciples, but he picks them as, a, as his key disciples. And they were fragmented in fraction. They, Jesus, can I sit at your right hand and left hand? You know, James and John's mother, their original tiger mom was like, hey, can my boys get a little place? You know, everybody's fighting, buying for, for position, even in Jesus' kingdom. So there, there were, our, so Jesus, God is not surprised by this. God provides a way out of it. Mm-hmm. So when, we're, when we start feeling disunified, it should tell us that maybe we're losing sight of the goal. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's a good word right there. Yeah. So we can tweet. Is that is that my tweet? That's your tweetable word. Yeah. yeah. I like that. We, I, honestly, we should say that again. When we become 
disunified. Maybe it's because we're losing sight of the goal. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I read one time this, in this pastor, at the end of his life, he wrote a book. And, you know, he'd been pastoring, he's probably like 75, 80 when he wrote the book. And he said, if you're ever in a church meeting and people start arguing, he said, stop the meeting immediately, open up Philippians 2 and read the first part of Philippians 2. Mm -hmm. And just have everybody get the same translation and read it out loud. And if people are still arguing, read it again. Mm-hmm. And keep reading it until we have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like he's like that's good. that's where that's where we need to be to to begin to really do kingdom work. Uh, next thing that this that numbers really brings up is is theme is, for the people is disobedience, and this is the big one. So you have the two accounts. We've talked about the spy account, and now you know where the the twelve scouts go, and two come back saying we can trust God, even even though the they're giants in the land, we can trust God. The ten come back and are like, no way. The people believe the ten. They rebel. They, you know, there's, they end up living in the wilderness for 40 years, 38 more, 38 and a half years after this. God says, your whole generation will die in the wilderness. Only your children will enter. And really only Joshua, Caleb, and that younger generation get to enter into the land. But in this disobedience, there's, there's also Moses disobeys. Aaron and, and Miriam disobey. And they're also not like Joshua and Caleb allowed to enter in because of their disobedience. So, what, the first let's focus on the first scenario. Why was it hard for the twelve scouts not to trust God like Joshua and Caleb? We, you know, what what do you think's going through their mind? Why why do you think they they knew God's promises th- those forty days? What, what's going on? You know. Well, I, I mean, all we know from Scripture is they saw how big, strong, powerful, whatever kind of wording you want to use for that, but they saw that these people who already inhabit this land, they're fortified. They're, they seem to be in positions of power. They seem to be people of power. So fortified cities, big people. Yeah. Powerful armies. Yeah. And so, if anything, it could be, for some of them, it could be like, hey, this feels like Egypt. And even mm-hmm. though God ac- accomplished it once, will they do it again? What if we go in there, what if they wipe us out, what if they enslave us again? Mm-hmm. I think fear is what drove them. Yeah. So fear... Yeah. Any other thoughts on that, Eric? I mean, just yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I agree. I think I think that fear is is a driving motivation. And and um, Christian counselor Ed Welch says he says about fear that it, it turns it, people who fear it turns everybody into false prophets. Mm. Like they they all like we whenever we we succumb to fear we start to make predictions about the future based on based on our fears. And so, that's good, good stuff. I think that, <laughs> we can't. You can't tweet that as Eric, though. You no, have to no, tweet that's, it as, that's, that's why I said Edward. That's good. But, but I think I think that's that's true. I think that's what our hearts do. We start we start making predictions about what the the future is going to be like based on what's motivating that. Our, our fears are motivating that. And I think even you know, Danny, as you're talking about um, this idea of, of kind of straying from the goal, uh, there is. When, when fear becomes king, when, when, it, when, when we elevate fear in our minds, it, it does, you know, our, our disunity does start to deteriorate the, uh, the, the character of God and, or, or the mindset of God. The goal of God, the mindset of God, it starts, to, it starts to be put on the back burner and we start thinking about, okay, uh, is, is that even a realistic possibility? Is it even a realistic possibility that God can provide for me all these things that he's promised? Uh, do I want those things? And 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 over time, it, it's it's not even that we we're thinking about the promises of God. Like we stop thinking about the promises of God. We stop dwelling on those. We we forget what the promises of God are, and we start living according to our own ways. And what we think, 
what what's going to produce the most amount of good? What's what's going to benefit benefit me the most? And if I'm driven by fear, then I see fortified cities, I see strong armies. Say, I don't want that. I don't. I don't think. I, I don't see a good outcome here for me. So why why would I want to? Like I think we should turn back. I feel like fear and your stomach. The two things I hear that we read in this mm-hmm. passage, those two things kind of work to feed each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're afraid and then you're driven by the carnal desires, whether it's you know your stomach or whether it's lust or whatever it may be, they push each other, push each other to more disobedience because what becomes enthroned in your heart, what, who, the, who you worship, is yourself, your carnal desires, mm-hmm. and then the fear pushes that up. Says, so "Lift yourself up higher, get what you need now," because you don't know if you can get it in the future. And then as that pushes you further away from enthroning God, enthroning yourself, then it gives, builds up more fear because you're not you yourself cannot control the future. Mm-hmm. So they kind of constantly pushes each other up. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the story, if it, it wasn't that long of a journey, it's maybe 80, 90 miles total that they would have traveled. You know, that's, a, a, you know, from here to Greensboro or a little, little bit more, but it took them 40 years, but really they could have entered the land within a year, a year and a half. God would have yeah. had them ready to go and, and take the land and have all the meat they wanted. And all the food they wanted, mm-hmm. but because of milk and honey, because yeah, of their disobedience, and they they spend forty years, and it's not significant, insignificant. It's 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 very important that Jesus goes into the wilderness for forty days mm. and doesn't fail, mm-hmm. and he's tempted by Satan over and over and over again, and he's tempted by food, right? And Stomach. he's tempted by all the things that they were tempted with, and he doesn't fail. Right. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days and doesn't fail. And that's one of the many ways that Jesus fulfills and redeems and, and does all the requirements of the Old Testament so that he can be our prophet, our priest, and our king. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that's interesting in this conversation is I nowhere in my notes do I have the word fear. And I spent like you know an hour, hour and a half preparing for this morning's podcast as the moderator of it. But the main theme that's come up in the unity, when we're talking about unity and when we're talking about disobedience, is it most of the time in Christian circles, you say, why did they do that? And you say, oh, because of sin. But really, the, it's fear. Like, it is mm-hmm. sin, but it's really fear. And then the, the second part is frustration. Why does Moses strike the rock? Mm-hmm. Out of frustration. Why did Aaron and Miriam tell Moses, hey, it's your wife's fault? You know, you have this foreign wife and they, she must be putting ideas in your head or we don't know exactly why they they mm-hmm. criticize Moses for that. But right before that, it says that they're upset that many of the people complaining are the foreigners, you know, the the non pure blooded Israelites in the group. And uh, so so some way Aaron, uh, Aaron and Miriam are frustrated. Moses is frustrated. So it's fear and frustration lead them. To not trust God. Right. And I think in our present context, That's good. people are really frustrated with That's the right. COVID stuff and quarantine, and people are really fearful. That's right. So this wasn't part of my notes, but as we're talking through this, I think we can really like learn not to... How can we be people who don't give in to fear? I think it's to be unified, and I think it goes into the next point, to be people of obedience, mm-hmm. not people of disobedience. So... I think like you're saying though, like it does, like fear and frustration, it, it, it feeds into a lot, like the, what's, what's being produced in that is a lot of grumbling. And even like, I think of fear. Literally think, the word grumbling is in the Hebrew. Like yeah. It calls them the grumblers. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like a word. And they, they, it's his rabble. It, 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 we translate it into the rabble because we have no English word. The grumblers. Yeah. yeah like, like so, so, I mean, even, even in that, like 
that that's what's going on in their hearts and and I think that you know when we talk about fear even today when we're when we're thinking of fear it's it's not it's not this image of somebody who's in the fetal position like they're they're terrified it, it's it's more so like they're calloused and and that I think that you know it especially on social media we see we see all these different voices of people who are giving these opinions and saying like and and sometimes it seems like it's very matter of fact or it's angry or it's it's uh it's very short with like being short with people but there's there's probably a lot of fear that that's beneath the surface of a lot of what people are saying from the doctors to the government yeah. employees to the, to the protesters everyday, yeah. yeah to the everyday Joe Schmo who's I mean, frustrated like, we're not we're not in a time of oh this is a common experience we all know what's going on we all know what's at the end of this yeah the israelites had never tried to conquer a land right. you know they, they had <laughs> never they had never you know been like hey we're going to go they never had an army in egypt they were they've never done this before even their battle against egypt was just let god do the work and so, so other other passages, that I, I think you even have them in your notes, Danny, that, that we have in front of us. Uh, other passages like in, in Psalms and in 1 Corinthians and, and in Hebrews, where there's warnings about this generation of people saying, hey, be, be wary of this. Be wary of, of grumbling, of, of grumbling hearts forming in you, because it, it leads to a kind of hardness toward God and hardness toward his word. And I, mm. I think... I think that's a good word for us to out today, yes. this, this warning of what's going on in our hearts. That's a great warning to me. I mean, right now in the midst of fear, it's the midst of grumbling. That's what we're doing. We're grumbling and because of fear, because of anxiety, because of uh, frustration. You know, so we start grumbling and we start complaining and we start um, not being thankful. And then so our hearts get hardened. That's what grumbling does. It hardens our hearts, makes us cast away, turns us away. But that's why I love, if you look at, like you talk about obedience, if you look at the, the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, we have all these incredible rituals mm-hmm. and these offerings and these sacrifices. And you wonder, why do you have to do all this all the time? Mm-hmm. One of the great purposes of it is it's a reminder to be thankful. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just it says every time that you give of this offering, every time you give of sacrifice, every time you worship, every time you give of this, you're reminded of what, you know, when we do the Passover or whatever it may be, you're reminded of the faithfulness of God. You're thankful. Man, for us right now, we need to be reminded. We need to be thankful. I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the opposite? Isn't that the cure for grumbling? Mm-hmm. It's thankfulness. Yeah. And the rituals help them, okay, because they're going to do rituals anyway. Right. They're going to do grumbling rituals, or they're going to go worship right. these other gods through rituals, or they're going to go worship their stomach through rituals, or they're going to literally go to temple prostitutes like they do, right. you know, in this account, you know, later on in Numbers. You know, they're, they're going to they're gonna do some kind of ritual with their fear and frustration. Right. Fear and frustration is going to lead them to some action. And God's saying, okay, here's some things you can do. To one, to show that I, you're forgiven, to to be thankful, to, like put your energy toward me and watch and see what I do. Right. Watch and see what I do. And even in in all the laws about justice, which what the sermon will be about this week, uh, this Sunday, you guys look forward to the sermon. Is in Isaiah and Psalm and in Amos and these other these other books in the Psalms. It it says that God wanted their sacrifice, but even more than that, He wanted the the clean heart and the heart that loved him and the heart that loved his justice. 
So, so God gives them these ways to do it, and he's preparing them to enter into the land, and he's like, just obey me. So we've, we've talked about fear, we've talked about frustration, and the, the final thing is, is to really think through obedience. It appears that the second generation was more obedient, at least they didn't have as many accounts of disobedience and judgment in the 38 years as the first generation. So they saw you know, the first generation's problems, and they, they saw Moses even, the, the leader of the pack, couldn't even do it. So they, they begin to move toward this, this theme of obedience. But I, thinking about us, why is obedience a blessing and a grace from God to his people? Like, I think sometimes people think of obedience as a burden. Mm-hmm. But why, how can we look at obedience as a grace and a blessing? We've touched on this, but I just, yeah. just want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, obedience is being able to do what we were made to do. You know, initially we talk about unity. We were called to unity by looking at the purpose, what we're called to become, what we're called to do as a team. Well, obedience is what the very acts of us being in that team together. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the beautiful thing about obedience. Obedience isn't a bunch of rules, regulations, you better do this, and slavery and yoke. Mm-hmm. It's actually you're being freed up to do what you're most made to do, what brings most satisfaction. And the one who knows that the one is the one who made you Yeah, to be a part of this team, you know? Yeah, I remember... One year at Auburn, I was a big college football fan. It comes up every three podcasts. So yeah. This is the third one. So. Yeah, every other one. <laughs> so, uh, but I remember one year we were really good. And the next year, we, and we went to the SEC championship game. The next year, our offense just wasn't ready. We had a, a new quarterback and a new center. And we were playing a top 10 team. And we fumbled like the first three snaps. And literally, it embarrassed the team. It set the pace. I think our coach was fired after an SEC West championship. He gets fired the next year. Mm -hmm. And it was because the team didn't, offensively, we just weren't ready. Like, And I think when we obey God, we're ready to be the people that he's called us to be. Whether it's fighting the spiritual battle, whether it's, you know, loving our neighbor, whether it's building his kingdom. If, If we don't obey God... Like we're not we're not doing what we're made to do. We're gonna do something. Why not do what we're made to do? So how can we? Yeah. Any other thoughts on how we can shift from thinking about obedience as a burden to obedience as a blessing? Yeah, I think I think even you know what asking ourselves the question what what are we doing that's that's fanning the flames of of an affection for God in our lives? Like what are, what are those things that would would lead, like would grow us to to love God more? God offers lots of ways to do that. Like he, he provides a, a means for us to, to, to be, to produce a heart that, that loves him. Um, you know, I was, I was telling you guys, uh, last summer, my family went and we stayed in Airbnb, we stayed in Atlanta, uh, hit up the, uh, the aquarium, Georgia aquarium. It was awesome. Got to see some friends there. Uh, but, but we actually got to meet and connect a lot with uh, the guy who actually ran the B&B there, which is really, really a very different experience than what I'm used to. Um, usually I'm, my introvert self is like, I don't want to see anybody. Like I want to like this, I want this space for us and that's it. But, uh, but I really enjoyed getting to, to talk with this, this guy that we got to meet there. And, uh, you know, he's, he's telling me his story of his experience being in uh, the the church in Atlanta, the church scene. He said it, Atlanta is the the capital for the mega church. Like there are mega churches all over the place, and he he was telling me about his experiences and telling me a reason why he was actually turned off to to the church, um, specifically for for what they were doing, like how they were running the church and different things like that. And so he he initially he, he stepped out of his role in serving 
stopped going to, to stop attending the church that he was at. And, and he, he looked me in the eye and he said, you know, it's, you think that it'll be really easy to go back, but it was so easy to find other things to do during, during Sunday mornings. And then it became really easy. What, what became just a couple of times occasionally became a new habit of, of not going at all. And, and I think that has an, I think that had an effect on him of, of, you know, his, his affection for the church, but his affection for God. And I think even in this season, we, we take that for granted that there, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of obstacles right now, a lot of hurdles for us to jump over in terms of uh, even going to church or being a part of small groups or, you know, being zoomed out and all, all these different things that, uh, but, but what are we doing that is, that is kind of stoking this flame where, where as, as we're saying, like we're, we're becoming, we're, we're becoming something, we're, something is being produced in us. Is it going to be sour grapes, or is it is it going to be good fruit that that is pleasing for other people to enjoy, and even even for us, like our, our spiritual walks, like this matters, that that our our callousness or our, our um, you know just getting tired, getting maybe maybe we just say we're we're just being lazy, but it's more than that, and I, and I think I think obedience is a gift because it, it reminds us. Of who God is, it, it it fans this flame of love for God and His purposes mm-hmm. that that we need, and so it's it's a means of grace for God to provide ways for us to even want that, and and to give us. I think in in Christ we have the freedom to choose obedience. Mm. That is is such a sweetness to to God and His love for us. When I was in ninth grade, there was um the the. The basketball team. I didn't make the basketball team. I didn't try out my ninth grade year for the basketball team. But you were you were like Penny Hardaway. Yeah, I was. I was, I was dunking on everybody. I should have been on the team. But I remember um, showing up for my f- f- uh, first class of the day was uh, I had I took gym in, uh, in particular the second semester because I just wanted to play basketball. And but I'd see the the basketball team would get in there first, and during they'd all have weightlifting or basketball, some PE class first period of the day. And I saw the basketball team; they'd be running drills together, they'd be running their practices together. And I wanted so desperately to be part of that team. Mm. I mean, that's what obedience is. Obedience mm. is says, "Hey, you're part of a team. This is a blessing to you. Mm-hmm. This is says this is what we're doing together. We're accomplishing a goal together." You know, and that's what a beautiful thing about obedience is. It's not, it's not just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not a bunch of drills. It's, a, it's about belonging. And it's about drills that get you so you can play in the game. You won't be embarrassed and humiliated. It's about being a basketball player. Like, you're, by doing those things, you're, you're, get, you're becoming a team so you can score points and win games. Jesus says in John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And then he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus already declared what we are. We mm-hmm. are branches. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we are. So we either produce fruit, like I'm using your example, yeah. that's good fruit, or we don't. Like, we have no other choice. We're not the gardener, and we're not the... We have... That's... We are branches. We are made to produce fruit for Christ's kingdom, and obedience is doing the things that allow us to do that. Being on the team, being, in the, and then that's where unity comes in. And but knowing that disobedience is part of our nature, and God's made a way. That's why there's all the sacrifices and the, and the rituals, the things that He puts in place, and and most of those are fulfilled in Christ. But we still come to the Lord's table and ask for you know mm-hmm. accept His grace and forgiveness each time we take the Lord's supper. We still do these things to live in his grace and and we obey him. So 
Obedience. Now, this is this is a really cool statement that I found in the in the NIV uh, theological what is it biblical theology study Bible when it was talking about numbers. It says this statement: um, Our obedience, and this is about numbers in particular. It says our obedience is indeed for the sake of the nations, and it's talking about how in the Pentateuch it starts this idea that the 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 Jews that God calls them out so they could be a light to the nations. That's why Abraham gets called. Like he's to be for the nations. And we at Waypoint Church, our, our motto is, you know, love the triangle, love the nations. If we reach the triangle, we can reach the nations. So this statement is true in general, but it's really important for us. Our obedience is indeed for the sake of the nations. So why is this quote true? And why is this important for us today as God's people? It just reminds us that we're a team. That we have a purpose. We're unified for the purpose of the nations. We want to be a blessing. We, we want to be this royal priesthood, this holy kingdom that is being established, and it's for the sake of the nations, to call to be the blessing. So our obedience is, is part of that. Our obedience is actually being the one to advance that kingdom. Yeah, I mean, I, something else that, that you know, Lawrence, you say a lot is, is that the church is meant to be a, a preview of coming attractions. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, like we're saying, we're, like we're we're witnesses. We're we're meant to to bear witness to who we are and who God, like who we are is in light of who God is, and and God God invites any of us to get in on that. I mean, technically, in in context, like we are the nations, right? Like we're mm-hmm. we're the ones that got like we're benefactors of, yeah. of God doing what He promised to do, and and so from being on that side of it, being among the nations. I'm very thankful. I'm very so, thankful that so, this is God's their, heart. Yeah. So like, not just not just our obedience to the Great Commission, not just our obedience in in witnessing. That's important, but also our obedience in loving God in all ways yeah. can be a light to the nations. And, right. and that that idea shows up in the Pentateuch and continues on throughout throughout Scripture. And even the the whole book of Isaiah was how they're supposed to be the light to the nations and. And they're not. And God's going to provide a way. And we know that's in Jesus, the suffering servant, so that we can be the light to the nation. So really cool stuff. I'm going to end on this. So if we see God's justice and his mercy in numbers, and then we we see his patience. Um, And God is just patient with them. And then, but my final question is, when you think about, you know, unity in the church, we think about disobedience, we think about obedience, we think about God's patience, we think about God's heart for justice and mercy. How has studying and meditating on numbers and the Pentateuch as a whole helped you during our present reality with COVID? Like what are, we, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but just one or two things that God's done in your heart this last couple of months as we've been deal, studying this and dealing with COVID and quarantine and, and all the fears and frustrations that go with it. Well, I just lose how awesome God is and the Bible is as we're reading it together. I feel like it's so relatable to write down what we're experiencing. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit's so good about making that happen for us, making the scripture relatable as we are reading and understanding together. For us in this uncertain, fearful time, the temptation is do we listen to the God of our stomach? The temptation is do we grumble like the Israelites did? Do we say, oh, I wish, wish for times past? We try to make ourselves God, and in our fear, do we try to lift ourselves up and pick ourselves up, or do we trust? In our fear, do we grumble and complain and break unity, or do we trust? 
Do we show thankfulness? Do, do we intentionally choose obedience and thankfulness? Do we come in this way so that we can not grow callous, as you were saying earlier, our hearts get weary of God, and, but instead we seek and pursue Him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's funny. But the, for, for those of you who aren't sports fans, uh, you may, may or may not be aware of the documentary, the docuseries that just came out called The Last Dance, talking about the, uh, the 90s Bulls, which has been a lot of fun. As a, as a millennial who didn't get to see the, the prime years of Jordan, I know you guys got to enjoy him, but uh, it's, it's been pretty informative. But, it, but you know, it, it, spurred on conversa- it spurred on more debates of who's, who's the greatest of all time, blah, 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 blah. And you know, we, we talk about the, the NBA, the league today, and it's like, Everybody's bigger, faster, stronger, and and I think we do that even culturally. Like we like we ha- we have this chronological snobbery that's going on. Like we we think we're we're like as a society, as a civilization, we're constantly getting better and better and better. We are superior. And and as I read this, as as we talk, as we think about the people and numbers, it's like the the question that I come back to is why are these people who are they were alive and they lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Why are they dealing with things that I'm dealing with? Why, why am I just like them? Why, why do I still face the... There, there must be something about my humanity that is, is common to all of us that they're dealing with. And so the warnings that, that the Bible talks about is, is true. It's legitimate. But then even better... They, they had an inferior mediator, honestly. Like, Moses was, was great, but my mediator is Jesus. Mm. And so even, even though, like, Moses ultimately, he, he came up short. My mediator doesn't. And so I can, I can trust in, in Christ, and, and I can lean on even, even though this season, this, this current season of COVID, is, is producing emotion. Like, it's discouraged. Like, I'm discouraged, and, and I'm fearful, too. And... and as we said, like there's, there's frustration, there's there's grumbling that's being produced in my heart, and and I just I think praise the Lord that I can turn to Christ, and I have hope, Amen. and I can I can lean like I can lean in on on Christ because he he's he's sure and he's like he's he's a strong foundation he's a, he's the solid rock he on on Christ's foundation I stand and and I I just thank the Lord for that like mm. even even in the midst of the frustration and grumbling. Praise the Lord that, that Jesus is, is a, a sure place to stand on. Guys, we're going to have fears and we're going to have frustrations always. It's part of this world. But right now, fear and frustration are probably the two greatest emotions that the average American and really people around the world are feeling. Like fear of the unknown. We literally have no idea what will happen with this virus. And frustration that we can't just go back to our normal lives. And... We have a choice. We can grumble. We can say, God, you're not good. You brought us here and you have us here right now and you're not good. Or we can say, no, God, you are good and you, you came and you died and you rose again and you're seated at the right hand of the Father and you're reigning from heaven and you will make all things new. Amen. And we're going to choose to believe that. So actually, the Spirit laid upon this, me, this upon me during this podcast. I think I have been living in fear and frustration. That's right. For the past two months, every time I read a, new, read a news article, I'm either, either fearful or I'm angry. I hear the governor give a speech, either I'm scared or I'm mad at him. Why didn't you say? Why do you let Walmart open and not this? You know, and I'm I turn into the grumbler. 
And God can take my frustration. I can cry out to God. But as I, if I enter in and don't say, God, you're going to see us through this. Now, yes, we need to make policies, and yes, we need to do things. That's, but me as an individual, how can I trust God? Mm-hmm. How, when, when I feel the fear and I have the frustration, am I going to choose to say, God, you can't do it. I've got to take all matters into my own hands. Or am I going to choose that God can do this, that God is with us in this, and he's going to see us to the other side? And even even what you just said, Danny, like I didn't, this didn't resonate with me until you just said this, that what I would what I would prefer to happen is that we go back to the way things were. Like I would rather go back to my Egypt when when maybe maybe there is a kind of spiritual bondage that we were all experiencing prior to this. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe God is leading us to a place right now that is actually better than where we were before. And God is using the just, circumstances of the world, a virus, to, to make us be his people. And, and, and we're saying, us. Do, do I really think that? Do I really think that? I don't know. But 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 God can do it. Yes, maybe. Well, well we love you guys. Um, continue to trust God, read his word every day. The Bible reading plan, we're going to be here with you. Deuteronomy is a little easier to, to swallow, and then we'll get to Joshua, and it's going to be tough again. And, and uh, we're going to be with you the whole way. And as always, we, we love you guys, and we'll have a great week. Have a great week. Love you guys.